When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is funny because we were having this conversation before we, like I said, we always do a little hour chat on what we're going to talk about on the pod. We're like, why did they hold this episode title back? Yeah, why was family (laughs) so spoilery? Like, oh my God, family? Whoa. Did you see what episode eight is called? Family? Oh my God, man. We're a little bit stumped by it. And obviously we (laughs) talked about some things that get revealed at the end of this episode that the emperor of Nilfgaard is Ciri's father is definitely family that's definitely in the title but yeah what were your impressions of the episode guys because this is the finale of the season definitely an interesting one I have to personally say it wasn't my favorite episode of the season I love the fight scenes don't get me wrong the choreography was definitely stepped up the season CGI I enjoyed the fever dream the kind of elements of that giving us Pavetta and Amir and all that but it wasn't my favorite episode of the season to be honest I would agree with that. Definitely not my favorite. I think it suffered from like a whole lot of balls in the air and some of it just had to be resolved in in ways that like don't make a ton of sense, at least to me. Maybe maybe it works for other people better, but there are still definitely (laughs) things that I liked and things that I thought were poignant and some very exciting launch pads for, for season three, things I'm very hyped for. Yeah, there's definitely some big payoffs, but it was chaotic, I feel like. Sorry, easy. Go ahead. I sort of agree with that. I think I probably liked it the most out of the three of us, although I may not have said that before rewatch because I didn't love it as much the first time. But the more I've thought about it and dissected it, the more I like it. And it seems to be really well received. My guess is that part of the disappointment for some people is just the difference in, not with you guys because we've already been through this in detail, but the difference from the books is so substantial in so many places. But I think the wider TV audience who haven't read the books, they have no preconceived notions. That's not bothering them at all. Obviously, they have no, they're not married to anything that's already happened because to them, this is all fresh. But yeah, so it got it, it rated in a virtual tie with a grain of truth for the highest of, of the season on IMDb, which, you know, IMDb ratings aren't some be all end all, but it's just fun just as a reference point to get a sense of how people view the individual episodes. So that's kind of neat. Grain of truth. We all understood why that one was rated high. Yeah. We're not as united on this one, uh, even despite what I just said about me liking The episode was epic. The opening, you guys both cited the neat, the opening little bit, which they've gotten creative with the symbolism and showing like a little piece of art at the beginning. I, I appreciate that. That was cool. They had like the it was like a conjunction of spheres kind of thing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's literally supposed to be the conjunction of spheres because I think the, mm. the world tree comes out of it. But in a more metaphorical sense, I really like three bodies colliding. And out of that is something that flowers. So it's like the fa- the family, the family tree. Yeah, the tree, <laughs> which some of apparently some of these trees have stellicide inside them. I hope that you know, maybe look out, maybe check your trees. Uh- <laughs> Don't scream near the tree. Yeah, careful. That's there's a band called the Screaming Trees from Seattle, from that Seattle sound, right? 
notice how this episode starts with the name. The full name, the first line of the episode, I think, is Mouse, Dream Mousesack saying, okay, everybody, say Siri's name with us all together now. Cirilla, Fiona, Ellen. Wow, our listeners are going to... The point was was conveyed. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so I thought it was a pretty cool start because, yeah, that dream is really intense. Like, it's pretty clearly a dream, but that dagger that was... It's Chekhov's dagger, basically. We knew this dagger would matter, and it's the dagger that she killed that first witcher with, Clef. So she's reclaimed her own weapon and goes straight back to killing witchers with it. It's like, oh, no, that's not the full circle that we want. So, yes, and it also reveals that part of her plan, which a lot of it becomes clear here, if it, some parts that weren't clear, is is... She wants revenge on the people that imprisoned her in the first place. The most, the thing she most wants is to return home. But this is a big part of what she wants as well, because you know, villains, you got it. Villains are never, rarely above revenge, right? And she's no different. The sphere that they showed didn't exactly seem like a nice place to live. <laughs> One of the spheres. I mean, obviously, we got the wild hunt sphere. We got that, which is pretty intense. But wherever the, I wonder what sphere the deathless mother is from, if it's uh, from that desolate place. Well, it's neat because even she was trying to get home. That's a really neat uniting theme here. Even the bad guy was just trying to go home. Like, ever, they're trying to find home and family amongst, whether at Care Morhen or elves trying to restart their society or, or found family at the end with these characters. Yeah, it's a really strong uniting theme here, even the bad guys. <laughs> she wanted to be, rejoin her family at the Wild Hunt, her villainous evil family. I'll have to go uh, check the Blood Origin trailer again, which is actually shown at the end of this episode, if that dagger is in it, because we do see, I believe, which is the very first Witcher. I think it was. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I'll have to go look at it again, but yeah, we got so you know, linking back to the story that Vesemir was telling her, which is pretty cool. We get to see it again. And we was like, okay, well, that dagger's probably going to be used. <laughs> Here's this great line. Um, yeah, this is Yennefer trying to explain Volodymyr to Geralt. She finds your weakness, the gaping wound in your heart, the thing that makes you feel hopeless, and she plunges her finger into it and makes it hurt so badly you do anything. Pretty yeah. much. So that's like... <laughs> that's a good description. It's, I, I mean, obviously, self-defending at that point, but it's also a lot of... It's helpful for the actions of both... Francesca and Frangilla as well. And yeah. Yeah. If y'all forget, I was listening. This is when he's walking away from her repeatedly. She keeps trying to get in front of her, in front of him and wait, let me talk to you for a minute. And that's one of the things she says. And this one actually gives him a little bit of pause because he, he obviously knows the lore on Deathless Mother. He's read about it. He has information on her. He know in the last episode, he told Jasker straight up that she's a demon that feeds on pain. So this, this fits with what, he's heard but still he's he still walks away from her he's still not he's still not over it and even at the end of the episode he's not over it but he does understand that she's going to be a part of things despite that yeah he's gonna (laughs) he he implies that he says i haven't forgiven you but then the next thing he says is you're gonna teach her and we villain tret and mer said we'd be together and but we needed purpose and this is that purpose so he's basically saying yes we're gonna be together but i'm still mad at you (laughs) i I, I think Geralt under also understands that he's fucked up quite a bit but he also very very much loves her genuinely for who she is you're right he's gonna forgive her he also needs siri to forgive her like siri has to forgive her too and he's not gonna forgive her until siri does like that's part of his like she has to forgive her first and i think she will 
what's she going to do? What I do while I'm under the influence of death with mother doesn't count. But what you do under the it does. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's something else that's important to keep track of. I think the we have, obviously, Vesemir's plotline coming to a head with as he watches more and more of his children die at Ciri's hands. That is also, like, a lot of pain that actually feeds the Volmir. Like, there's at least one shot where Vesemir is looking around at, like, the horrible corpses of the witchers and, like, Ciri goes, ah, my power. I totally forgot what I was saying, why I was saying that, to be honest with you. But I love that through line going from Eskel all the way through. And yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of forgiveness, I think, that needs to happen. But it's also, I think, oh, I remembered. Is Ciri, like, going to forgive herself? Because mm. the idea of her body oh, count growing and growing and growing is, like a lot and she <laughs> well i like know. she physically killed a lot of obviously not it wasn't her mind doing those actions but it was her hands and and she was doing it and the only reason she was in that position was because she is who she is and and Volkmir wanted her specifically so i i don't know i feel like there's a lot of guilt and that kind of thing yeah she's con she's too conscientious to not at least think about that Right. I, I think oh. the witchers will absolve her, uh, especially Geralt. Like, Geralt certainly will, and Vesemir well, most, most certainly will, too. So that will help, but she'll still probably... She, I can see her still struggling with it a bit. we got to think about the theme of family, the title of the episode, too. What do yeah. all these characters really want in life? Yeah. Ciri lost her family in Sintra. I mean, she's in a pretty tough situation. The witchers welcomed her as family, not at first, and took her them some time to get along with her, and that's fine. That's and that's normal in any type of a relationship. You got to get to know someone to trust them and and admire them. But then, then you got to think too. Is oh, okay? All of these people are destined. This is the first time we actually have all three of them together at the end there. And I and I think that moving forward, they will think a lot differently about things like, yes, all these things happened before. But now when they move forward, it's going to be different. Like they can move forward knowing that they have to look after each other, essentially, because they, they are there to help each other survive in this incredibly dangerous <laughs> world. Because What's happening is not going to stop just after the deathless mother. And I think they all realize that. I like the line. Another good example of multiple meanings in one line here is when Geralt is trying to confront Siri slash Deathless Mother and says, what is she to you? I'll offer myself instead. And it's neat to have both Geralt and Yennefer offer themselves. But she's, I would be, t I'm tempted by you because you're so good at like killing and all this. But no, you don't. <laughs> this is who I need to be with right here. She's the right match for me. She's where my real power is coming from. And she says, she is the future. <laughs> she is the future, you say. Hmm. The ability to like look through the past and jump through time and things like that. It's a funny joke to make about that. <laughs> That's one thing she is. She's also yeah, she's like, something yeah. more to tie it in. <laughs> <laughs> Who put the Witcher Zing. Infinity War? Oh, because that's, that's later. That's, funny. that's a later reference. I will bring oh, okay. it back when it's relevant, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> we talked about the tree, the, the Celesite being in the tree, which was surprising, more than surprising. And, and yeah. to Vesemir as well, who was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is, yeah, I think we were all, it's like one of those moments where the audience and the characters somehow have a similar reaction for similar reasons. Like, how the hell is that in there? I guess maybe that's what the was happening in the opening scene with the visuals there. Because so. you saw the spheres and the tree. And so I, I bet that's going to be explained more. 
I'm just going to say that I don't understand it, and I think we're just going to have to be okay with not understanding it for now because they have done a pretty good job of explaining things. So maybe we'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now on explaining that and, and having, an, having an explanation that isn't just like totally weird. I'll put that on the shelf for now. <laughs> I, I think, too, there, there's going to be some time for these things to connect to other things, too, and develop, too. We've got a lot of seasons to go, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. One thing they have done a good job with is setup. We've mentioned that several times. Is they've they've set up future plots really well. So it, this this is probably something that they've thought about. It's probably not just a complete thought here, and that's the end of it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do with it. <laughs> I, I like one thing in this scene too is the way it's interspersed. Like we're the way we've been handling our analysis, we're, we're talking one location at a time, which is a nice way to do it. And it helps stay with one plot line and, and see it through. But this episode jumps around a lot <laughs> because of the scenes interplay with each other so much. For example, while they're fighting, while the monsters are doing their thing, and while Geralt's ta- trying to talk Siri down, Deathless Mother's energy level goes up and down wildly based on other events happening in other plot lines. For example, when. All the babies in Redania die at once. It cuts oh. to that, and then it comes back to her, and she's just, like, filling with power because, A, she's exalting in her plan coming to fruition, and, B, it's just literal en- magic energy for her. So it's just she was so locked into that, and it was like an investment that paid off or something and it, right at the best moment for her. So bad luck for the witchers there that it, it was all happening uh, simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to her yeah. having a plan also, just not not just things came together in a way that it was at least partly intentional. I think like she didn't, she didn't zap herself into reality or she didn't get strong enough to zap herself into reality only to be like deprived of her source of strength. But she made sure that there were, that there was more where that came from. She, yeah, it is. You're right. It is really well thought out when you piece the whole thing together. That's one of the things that made me appreciate it a lot more. And one of the things that makes me like this episode in particular, maybe more than you guys do, is because this is where her full plan comes into play. And when you lay it all out, I like it. I think it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. It's pretty clever. All the different moves she makes are pretty well written. Some of the execution, maybe there's there's quibbles we can make. But but over, yeah, I really have come around a lot on it <laughs> from the where I was originally. Part of it is the appreciation for the different style villain this is and just how her version of evil is just so just so evil. <laughs> I mean, the way, like, feeding off pain and cruelty and the way she engineers that pain and cruelty is and suffering is, is really clever. Like you said, she's very intelligent. Yeah, there's also, I like the yeah. thought of her being, like, the first evil that was big enough to create the need for witchers. And that, that automatically puts mm. her in a different sphere than a rasalka or whatever to go back to the beginning but she's she's not a she's not a creature of i mean she is a creature of need because all monsters are creatures of need but you know there's a lot more thought in that that just a hungry hungry beast a zoogle for example (laughs) yeah she's really has an incredibly sophisticated understanding of human emotions because partly because you know that's where she gets her survival and her energy i wrote here dr mengala he knew more about anatomy than most people he's one of the most villainous people i can imagine right he but he was an expert on anatomy he would he could under he knew how to inflict pain better than anyone because he's a doctor right and this is a similar kind of thing this is like she's like a magical evil psychiatrist someone who knows human emotions and manipulation extremely well like they studied it severely like they're obsessed with learning all the secrets of what makes people tick and then exploits it to maximum cruelty yeah that's a good villain man (laughs) 
it's, it's interesting because I don't think this is the only villain that we're going to be getting from the, the spheres. I talked about this a little bit privately, and we do see the Wild Hunt mm-hmm. is going for a Siri before they escape that realm, which is pretty interesting. I do think that they are going to be someone that is going to be more prominently featured than what they were in the books. And as someone who has played the games, this is pretty exciting because The Witcher 3 is one of the best-selling games of all time. I do think we are going to be getting a game plotline mixed in with a book plotline, which is pretty friggin' rare. But I'm just putting it out there. I do think that there are going to be another sphere villain that we're going to yeah see. yeah that should be pretty big it looks like you don't have that amazing epic end scene near end scene and then just like nah we're never gonna see these guys again <laughs> yeah, yeah no it's awesome especially because they're like calling to her and everything yeah it was that was so cool because <laughs> they also have their own intentions for her as well as many others do <laughs> yeah How about that moment where with Vesemir, Vesemir just can't take it anymore and he just runs up and stabs her and then he realizes, I don't know, what's going through his head in that moment? What did you think? Is he, is he, was this like another self-inflicted wound? He stabs her, but then she feeds off of it more than, than it hurts her because it's like he's, he knows that she's conflicted probably, maybe not in the same way Frangilla was about killing Hake and those other people, but it's definitely a thing that they didn't want to do. Like he doesn't want to do that. He's doing this because he thinks he has to. Yeah. He's pushed into it. Not because he's like, Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I don't necessarily think Vesemir wants to do it, but he's also made some mistakes too. And he's realizing that all the other witchers are dying around it. I mean, well, I essentially was counseling Siri and he, I think he feels personally responsible for maybe some of this a little bit. It's kind of like a bit of guilt there too. I think if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, definitely. And there's this, there's this kind of a truth bomb, which shows her, extreme understanding not just of humans but these in particular poor poor witches you feel everything don't you especially hatred that's such a fantastic line because it gets to gets at one of the core issues with being a witcher and that whole back and forth between humanity and the ungratefulness of the looking at them as mutants and even though they do so much for humanity they're they're outcasts so they do understand hatred they understand being hated and they probably send a little of that back because of the ingratitude and and a lot of them are orphans who have anger towards their family for leaving them or for abandoning them or just for the su- the various levels of suffering that they've gone through so yeah really good line there i thought that and of course it's perfect for her she understands hatred she's feeding off of it He's also trying to manipulate him in that moment, too, to make him feel mm-hmm. more yeah, of Yeah, I think that's a totally little, actually, right, yeah. projection on Volvmay's part. Yeah. Like, I think witchers definitely feel hatred. But I think, like, love and the good and bad feelings that come with that would probably be the especially, if, if we're really talking about what they what they feel. I mean... Yeah, she's, she's, she's pulling a Sith Lord yeah, thing exactly. there, trying to get yeah, them to yeah. into their... Things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because... Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why Vesemir, yeah. you know, Vesemir doesn't actually really try and kill Siri out of hate he he tries to do it so that he can save the other witchers yes um, it, it, right. do, it does remind me of a strike me down from palpatine yeah. type deal. it does kind <laughs> yes. of feel like that a little bit strike me down You're right yeah you, yeah she did dare that she's like she wanted that to happen she didn't move like she didn't even flinch she's like yeah stab me because she also knows that she can heal the wound so she's like all he's gonna do is feel guilty and waste his time and feel helpless, which she'll feed off of that too. <laughs> yeah, although in terms of Vesemir being only a B plus, maybe level Witcher, why do you go for a gut wound? I, maybe he's throw, part of why he's hesitating. I, I yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> is hedging maybe he's hedging that that'll drive yeah, her out and that could save be, her? Yeah. i don't know i don't know i'm not sure i don't i think beheading uh, him risking beheading siri is also not good you know what i mean uh, so yeah. i don't know yeah because then second. he get blood all over his nice clothes <laughs> and you can't have that <laughs> I, I have to say though i felt really like when it, in the aftermath like when Vesemir was like begging Geralt for forgiveness. I was like, "You don't need to do that, man." It, it Geralt's at fault here too. Like it, it's, it's not. I don't know. I, I felt, I felt like more sympathetic toward Vesemir, just being this guy who like has been fostering Siri, and then she comes back, and like, I don't know. It, it felt like deliberately poor repayment for his kindness, and I understood why he was so angry at her, and why he was going quicker toward, oh, you have to kill her! And, yeah, I, I felt... Like, mm. obviously, Geralt's not gonna go for that. Obviously, he's not. He's, yeah. he's immune to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would be mm-hmm. immune to that, even if all the prophecies about Siri were true. Like, he, he would never do that. So, yeah. It's not my favorite style of plot where something really important comes down to just believing really hard or or just like (laughs) feeling really strongly about something. I don't love that, but it was well done, a well done version of that because Geralt's like employing her to come home and Volathmir's tactic is to make Ciri think she's already at home at her happy place in back in Sintra in dream Sintra with her father and mother right there. So it's, that's, those were well-chosen, like, elements to use for that scene. And the fact that her parents are like, don't let us die again. Ooh, that hurts, right? That's a really well-chosen line to to get at her gut there. And it fits, too, that she's feeding on pain and, and losing power. Feeding on pain and hate and all that would, would make sense that if the opposite happens in her presence that it would it would bother her, right? Love and courage and sacrifice would be anathema to her if the other things are good for her. So I, I kind of get that. I don't, yeah. It, it's, it yeah, I, I actually really like uh, Siri's yeah. dream a lot. I mean, I, I kind of like any time we go into a character's unconscious and get to explore, but it is such a well-crafted thing. I mean, the, that ballroom that we've seen a couple times is like brighter than we've ever seen it. And for me personally, it's hitting all my like, medieval aesthetic really music the too, dances like, yeah. it was just really great it's like you would want to be there yeah right? yeah i mean probably not actually because you're not wearing yeah. underwear and it's freezing and half the people have plague but you know <laughs> the, the aesthetics are appealing and it's very understandable that siri taken in by it and it's also really well crafted just from Mir's point of view because when siri wakes mm-hmm. up and she's like, what the fuck is going on and mouse like responds to that because i feel like in a normal dream he would be like, come to the feast, lady, whatever, just like not responding uh, yeah. to her freak out. But everybody absorbs that and, and responds to it, which adds to the depth of the illusion. Yeah. You can see when Valathmir kind of like tries to step step on the gas. But your parents are here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I don't want to die. Don't yeah. make me do that. Was, that was what I meant, by the way, here? by uh, yeah. the Witcher Infinity War with the, the falling away to dust. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, the dust. Of course. Yeah, of course. Right. The crumbling right. of Pavetta. That was a really interesting right. scene, too. I don't know if a lot of people noticed that, but Amir not dissolving in. One person out of all the people who's actually still alive. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I was so proud mm-hmm. of myself. I, caught, I was like, he's not going to disappear and he didn't disappear and Voloth oh you even <laughs> yeah. predicted it. nice and, and that's something that's really important too because Voloth Mare knows that M here is her competitor 
for Siri. She knows that because, of course, she's been and she's seen all this. Obviously, she knows who that is. And she's been Frangilla's head. So, yeah, she knows all this stuff. And we know that because not just because of other circumstantial evidence, but because we've seen how incredibly deep her ability to penetrate your memories are. As this scene reveals very clearly, like, like you said, the details are like spot on other than stuff that softens it up and makes it even nicer, which is a design to lure her to staying, right? That's It all fits really well with what's going on there. One little unimportant but detail that I w- couldn't help but notice is that Iced is there, but you never see his face because his head is turned to the back. I guess that actor just wasn't available. <laughs> Like you never see the front of him, but he's turned to talking to Mouse Act, just the back of his head, <laughs> which is not the only back of the head character we get in this episode. <laughs> <sighs> and then she, so she confronts him about her bloodline. How cool is that? Ask the questions and he can't really, he, his defle- there's no way to deflect that, is there? <laughs> Let's talk about the final defeat of Deathless Mother. I think the, like, the fighting the basilisk and the other monsters, there's not a lot to say about that it's, besides it's being cool. Like, we it can, was yeah. cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, it was really visually awesome. Like I like seeing it. But That, it, that was my other note that I think didn't make analysis. sense, by the way. It was a, the, the, like seeing the basilisks like in the bright sunlight outside Kermorin, oh. I thought was just very cool because usually it's all yeah. like dark. And, yeah. Okay, so first of all, Yennefer's downstairs in the laboratory trying to make some sort of potion, which she eventually just tosses on the ground because she decides it's not going to work. She decides it's not the right way to do it. She understands that the the energy, the people's emotions in the room have a power to dampen Deathless Mother's energy because she feeds off pain, so the opposite harms her. One helps her, one harms her. So that that's somewhat consistent. And that's part of why the act of sacrifice works. It's like a three-pronged approach here. One is that her energy is dampened by everyone else chilling and being like, we need to focus on not being hateful and all that. That helps. That's, that starts to suck some of her power out, slows her down a little bit, especially because she just used a big bunch of energy to summon like that huge, ba- that third one, which may or may not have been a basilisk. I don't even, just that trans-dimensional velociraptor basilisk thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so she used a lot of energy for that and... So she starts to be a little weaker because she just did that. And then they start like acting all lovey. And, and then Yennefer is, I'm going to sacrifice myself, which is an extreme act of good or certainly not evil, like the opposite. And so that dampens her power even more. Then she casts a spell. She says some magic words. And that basically, it's like dangling a string in front of a cat. She has to go for it. <laughs> she can't help. It's like an offer she can't refuse. The spell and the compulsion and her weakness put her inside Yennefer, move her inside Yennefer, and then Ceres herself, allowing Siri to teleport them to the home sphere of the Wild Hunt, which is exactly what Deathless Mother wanted all along. She's like, oh, well, you were just about to beat me, but actually you brought me home, so thanks for that. And we see her very epically reforming into her body on top of the horse, which was just so cool, right? Like, I was like, wow. And... And they're like, oh, my God, we're just standing here as they charge at us. What do we do? And, of course, Siri is able to concentrate again and take them out. But before that, we get this awesome line from Aridin, leader of the Wild Hunt. Which oh, is so cool. yes. <laughs> Child of the Elder Blood, starry-eyed daughter of chaos, join our hunt. Your place is among us. You are ours. 
And by the way, they cast a really good actor for Aroden, so I'm just going to put it out there and say I think he's one of our endgame bosses in the Witcher. He he looks like one, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) And they and they they really went in on the costumes to make them very individualized for not just this one scene here. They actually did a lot of pre-production like they they released I, I think i shared it with you aziz on some of the bestiary stuff and stuff on instagram i'm not sure if i shared the, okay. the wild hunt stuff with you but i'm just saying guys you guys know i like to get hype about this kind of stuff and if they're putting it a lot of effort into that kind of thing i know i know they put a lot of effort in all the costumes but this specifically because in the games there's seven or eight wild hunt members that are more prominent than the others so i yeah. think <laughs> it's exciting it's an exciting thing for him to say that because we're getting yeah. a look at another antagonist possibly we can see in the future of the show i wonder if they'll give individual stories or at least more yeah. details about so we know Aridin, sort well, of, and now we know Deathless Mother. Those are two of them. So there's there's well, more there than two. Well, there is a obviously. leak that we are going to be getting some of that in Blood Origin. We're going to be getting yeah. some origin stories of the Wild Hunt in Blood Origin. So that's that'll be cool. Exciting. Yeah, that's it's got me excited for sure. Now that I now that it's like a little more set in, and I've got, you know got several watches and more. We thought about it, talked about it. Definitely gets me more excited, and that's a good sign when you when you talk about it, talk it through, and it, it just you like it more afterwards. Well, that's what we're here for. I will say, I think. I don't know if it's meant to be a parallel, but I don't remember if it's this episode or, or seven. But Yennefer is telling Geralt how like special Ciri is, and, and he says she's mine. And I think that kind yeah. of parallels to the "you are ours" idea that the uh, a lot of forces, both you know, political and supernatural, who are arraying to make Ciri theirs. And it also echoes with the, the final words of the season. Ciri kind of. Yeah, Siri feels like the One Ring of Power. My yeah, right. <laughs> yeah everyone <laughs> wants it. You're right. It's, you're right, McCall. The end of this, <laughs> the ending, like series of sw- scene switchings, is just a bunch of people saying, "All right, let's go get Siri." <laughs> like <laughs> everyone says it in different ways. Like, okay, I'm after Siri. We're after Siri. You're after Siri. I'm and after like, Siri. The I very guess we should people, be after Siri. <laughs> the very few people who are willing to defend her. And, yeah, yeah. Like even it's so sad. It's like even Tissaia is like. Everyone, like, Siri has got a price on her head, and everyone protecting her has a price on her head. Like, oh, wow, you're really falling down our esteem list here, yeah. aren't you, to say? <laughs> and then she just waves it off. Like, Meeve's like, that's brutal, even for me. And to say, is like, welcome to the Brotherhood. That's how we operate. Jeez. <laughs> I wonder if she's doing that because she doesn't want Bogafortz to get her hand, his hands on her. I wonder. Maybe, Maybe. that's a little Maybe. too uh, nice on my part toward to say, we'll see. He's got you. He's got you fooled, too. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer's magic returns. I'm just going to chalk this up that my theory is right, and it was Deathless Mother who took away Jennifer's power. So when she is gone, um, (laughs) Jennifer has her power back. It doesn't make any sense any other way. I'm sorry. It really doesn't. It's it's definitely a feather in the cap of your theory. I agree. Like we've had some things that we talked through before that maybe worked against your theory, but this is a big plus for sure. A big pro in the pro and cons category. You're right. Geralt asks, like, you you got your power, your hole again, or whatever he says, and she says, "Yeah, I felt it." Blah blah blah. And like, well, what caused it? Yeah. So you you might be right. Like it, it does coincide with Volthmir leaving the sphere and returning home, and her influence on the continent seemingly being. Well, it takes a different shape now because she's back in her original form or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really have a straightforward explanation. 
I guess it's another mini parallel there. She clearly heals herself because she was bleeding all over the place. That's the first thing she did. Then she goes and heals uh, Cohen. So it's, yep, well, kind of confirms all that. Uh, <laughs> get powers. We have Geralt and Yennefer scene. We sort of discussed this at the beginning of the episode when they discuss you know, something more is needed and she is something more. But it's true that Yennefer is, even though despite what she did, there's nobody else that can teach Siri that they can trust. Not about this stuff. Not about 100%. magic. Like, certain other things and and this is like a a way of looping back i I mean we discussed like the show will depart a lot from the books but usually they come back to the same point a little further down the road so i think people were missing the the yennefer teaches siri magic plot in the back half of blood of elves i think this is the start of that i mean i really hope that they that there's a lot of like tension and getting to know each other because something i did feel was that like yennefer's devotion to siri was a little fast especially for someone like Jennifer who is attachment is not her thing you know and she's just kind of like, oh I know how so how special she is other than her being very powerful I'm not really sure why so I'm, I'm hopeful Partly because she's important to Gerald I thought but maybe I yeah but she says she didn't understand that until she realized how special Siri oh, was yeah, I yeah. definitely I definitely think we'll get some of that in se- early on in season three for sure like we've gotten some stuff pulled that's later on from the books a little bit earlier and especially with an adaptation I think they can move things around a little yeah. bit more yeah so I think I think uh, I feel pretty confidently they'll definitely show maybe. that Maybe the double whammy of, of Geralt's line about villain Trettenmer, it's like predicting all this, and so you need something more combining with the idea that Yennefer has been trying to be a mother. And this is, well, this is, you'll, you'll know, you won't have a child of your own body, but this is it's pretty close. This is pretty close to that. It's the same similar kind of energy of, of, of taking care of somebody and teaching them. And This is, this is their you know. destiny. This is the first time where they can, where Geralt has been like, okay, like, she really is my destiny. You know what I mean? Like, he's really starting to believe that more and more. And yeah. her... And Yennefer is also part of Geralt's destiny, and they are linked to each other, too. All three of them are each other's destiny, so that's only going to be reinforced as we go throughout the seasons and intensified. Right yeah. on. I, just, I really want two solid episodes mm. of, like, train magic magic school <laughs> in Caremore, and I know we've spent a lot of time in Caremore in this yeah. season, but I, I... Yeah, and with, with we got Yasker to... there, too, just fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just, hey, move of rock. And watch the flower die. This is a lot, a little bit higher level, closer to the lightning in a bottle stuff. <laughs> but even, but even beyond that, <laughs> can we have Papa Vesemir there too? That would be cool. Just have a cool, so. a bunch of, so. a bunch of people watching people do magic. Oh, I do okay. not think that Vesemir <laughs> and Yennefer are going to get along at all. I do not oh. anticipate that being a positive relationship for either of them. <laughs> it'll be, um, it'll be funny to watch yeah. though. <laughs> they could, they could possibly have some good zingers back and forth. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did want to say, you reminded me, is he's, is Yennefer becoming the vessel for Volithmir is a nod to her wanting to be a mother. Like that's why she paints the vessel on her abdomen in, in the Last Wish episode she wants to be a vessel for something and so uh, it would be appropriate That's if like true. she housed Velithmir and then she becomes is, is able to become series really her mother That's neat yeah cuz she was trying to take the the gin inside mm-hmm. her sort of That's good. I didn't think of that. That's, that is a really interesting parallel. Hmm, nice. Gin yeah. are extremely powerful. Yeah, she's trying to harness that gin's power like how Velithmir is trying to harness series power. So it is a similar conceptual structural magic idea that we've seen before apparently nice (laughs) shall we 
talk about the other political stories yeah. and the way they the progress and, and wrap happens. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this stuff is this is you get this is the cynical power playing dark brutality revenge. Yeah, that's it's hardcore, you're right. So Sintra first, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it only gets yeah. worse. Yeah, so we have we have Dara telling Francesca and Phil and Philavandrel about Siri and Dykstra and Redania and basically they're like, Oh, it's all them and you're like, Oh boy. Francesca puts it on she's being like, she, yo, yeah, I hate else. She pins it all on racism. It's not all on racism. It's there's a lot of it is on racism, mm-hmm. but she's got a narrow view of it. It is more about. It is also it's as much about power and greed and just not caring about other people. What we're disregarding what anything about them, race and what they want out of life and their right to live. None of it matters to them. That's all. It's all just stuff to get through to get what they want. Yeah, and she's still sitting by the cradle, which is really sad. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, it's really it's so well it's well done. They do they do tragedy pretty well in the show. <laughs> it's like having the elves been through enough tragedy. Now they got to go through this. Holy shit, man! Yeah, you got to feel for. Her. And and again, like clever as it is, Kay here's. I mean, obviously, it turns out to be the wrong plan, but it's clever as hell. Kay here says just. Say that you did this on purpose. Oh, it takes her a minute not to understand, but to accept it emotionally because it means that she's got to say, yes, I intentionally betrayed Francesca. Like, yeah, I did this. I'm going to declare that I killed your baby uh, and pinned it on Redania. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to accept that responsibility, even though I see the strategic value. That is tough. That is really and tough. The way she says, but I would never do that is so, yes. I feel like there's really two parts of Fringilla and there's the there's the heart and the head and and they're very much in conflict <laughs> and and her heart is leading when it comes to Francesca and then she decides to lead with her head and yeah well she really considered Francesca a friend yeah they, is, they both did I, I 100% believe that was fully genuine and that's part of the tragedy that that they that that couldn't you can't have nice things when you work for someone like uh well, yeah I mean and, and everything it's kind of like the it's not just Amir, it's also the, the force of anti-Elven racism that is, like, too too big to overcome. And this, the cynicism of power politics just annihilates these types of relationships and compassion. And this, this you can't have these sort of sympathies and soft spots for people. This is what we were talking about before. Everyone has these weaknesses. Everyone has these personal biases because of people they love in their life. And this is one of the things that makes politics and power games so evil innately is that they, to be really good at them, you must, to to remove those weaknesses, you annihilate the parts that make you most human. You annihilate your weaknesses. Your weaknesses are the people you love, your relationships, the things you care about. If you want to prevent your enemies from using those against you, get rid of them yourself. It's what she she Frangilla is being forced to do. She's having to accept that no, you can't have friendships. You can't you can't have there's no one you can't That's tell what, yourself um, you'll never betray. If the circumstances mean you have to betray them, then you have to betray them. It's a real statement on on how these things work in the real world too. Imagine giving up every like any moral compass just to give in to complete imperial power. And that's yeah. what Amir stands for is this imperialist power that's continuing to push on the continent and just take over everything. She's caught between that, her own yeah. life, and Voleth Mare. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, and, and she needs a drink, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't have to agree with all her choices, but woo, what a tough spot she's in, you know? You don't have to like her, but respect the difficult decisions that she's got here, at least. <laughs> 
I feel for, obviously I feel for Francesca, but I feel for Frangilla. I just, she has so much potential and she just gets so fucked on every level. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just, and then, and you want to lie, and, and, and you see good in her too, because she's you, you see you you see these things that she's trying to do to actually genuinely help the elves, and you're like, oh, that's a elf guardian doing something like that? Holy shit! And yeah. then you see, okay, here's oh yeah, you should probably backtrack, and then then you see Amir completely reverse. Well, that. that was such a yeah. Even though we we all knew who the who that was, obviously because we've read the books, but but so they, I appreciate that they gave us an extra a double surprise. Yeah, his reveal and that he's the one that did it. And like it just all makes so much sense and i was like oh nice yeah i i also just to go back like the the line of tragedy here is really profound because it's frangilla takes credit for something she never ever ever would have done and she does it for the purposes of keeping the power that she was able to have from volthmir and also and that was all based on her like she keeps talking about being imprisoned and like in that horrible situation. Like she never ever wants to be in that again. And what ends up ending (laughs) her up in that position is taking credit for the thing she never would have done. Yes. It's I, I, yeah, I I think it's really, that, 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 that shows how cruel Amir is. We haven't seen his cruelty yet. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to, this guy is not a good person. And this is the guy they have faith in, right? This is the guy they think is going to make, treat everybody really well and save the world. Why? Like you are really, you're, head is up your butt here guys yeah <laughs> they're uh, i, I want to use the word tyrant because that's what oh, yeah. they're yeah, giving yeah. their complete faith to a tyrant it's an abusive and, relationship it's like he's their father he's like the father that beats them and then blames them for you made me do it and they're totally like stockholm syndrome yes it's our fault yes yes and even and even if he were to make an error he would probably start to crack down on the people around him like you see some of these other fascists. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in the books he blames his military commanders for losing the yeah. battle of Sod, and he's like, it's all their fault i execute nearly all of them not a good uh, guy <laughs> just as we're going forward just a spoiler for season three we, we talked a little bit about it before the season, how we were excited that this could be a possibility. There's a lot of Amir later in the books, mm-hmm. uh, but that for them to reveal it now in season two, it makes a lot of sense, I feel like. What do you guys think about that decision for them to do it at the end of season two? And like, here's the thing. If another COVID thing happens and they we don't get another season of The Witcher for two years, I don't think that's going to happen. But you know what I mean? I, I guess them making that decision makes sense from that point of view, but also a storyline point of view. Well, I yeah, like people made, like man. people would have just revealed it. Like book readers, yeah. it would have come out. Book yeah. readers would have just would have filtered into the fandom and people would have learned ahead of time. And I think they were yeah. trying to avoid that. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, so. I actually was surprised it happened quite this early. I thought it would happen earlier, obviously, because it is really a five minutes book. to midnight yeah. you know, reveal <laughs> in the book. <laughs> But I mean, I'm 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 actually really glad because I I think it adds a lot of energy into the hunt for Siri because nobody else is doing it for personal reasons. Everybody else is doing it either for magical or political or both. And I mean, obviously, we know if you've read the books, some of why Amir is doing this is not not those reasons either. But like at least yeah. on the surface, he's got the most. Reasons. Yeah, he he ends the season <laughs> whatever it has it takes to get back my daughter, which is yeah. just a very different Politics, energy. Magic. And <laughs> family, like I wonder reasons, if they're yeah. gonna I, I, go, if they're gonna adapt his full intention. I wonder oh that because that that is maybe the darkest thing know. that happens in a very dark series of books. And it's kind of yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if we're gonna get that. I think we could. They might go more with like the magical power element of it, but I if if they do want to remain faithful to the books without spoiling anything, they gotta, that'll be yeah. really intense. 
Yeah. Hisrich has time to decide on yeah, that. One. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say this: it is good that we have another antagonist POV to look at. We got we're getting Vizimir and Redania, and now we're getting Amir and Nilfgaard. We're going to have all these kind of competing POVs, which is interesting, and they're all going to be on the hunt for Siri in season three, and things are going to get intense. And yeah. we're going to have the reveal of other antagonists. Like I said, I think the Wild Hunt will be not something that's like that kind of POV, but they will be in the background. But there's other antagonists out there, and I think all of them competing to capture Ciri and her power and use it for their own personal gain and having people like Jennifer and Geralt trying to protect her is going to be really, really awesome. It's going to be good. The forces are are firmly arrayed, and we know why (laughs) all of them want Ciri, and I think that's really important (laughs) going forward because I feel like you have a lot more room for subtlety when you have that established. Um, speaking of Vizimir, though, I'm not sure he's long for this world. What about you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I think that Dijkstra could be in trouble. He could take some blame for the way this is blowing back up on them. For one thing, he doesn't. He seems cool about it. He seems calm and collected about it. But meanwhile, Vizimir's son was killed. Vizimir's son was among the dead of the babies that were killed there. That's a pretty huge deal. He might blame Dijkstra for this. But if he blames Dijkstra for this, Dijkstra might take him out first and be like, okay, you puppet king, I'm going to take you down and we'll let someone else. So, yes, yeah, so that could blow back on Dijkstra a bit because A, Verdania is being blamed. Like the elves have come and killed a bunch of Verdanian babies. That's not good. And other nations are now... As we saw in the, one of those final scenes when they have their little conclave there and they're like, oh, Redania is getting too powerful. They're making their play. We better gang up on them. So that's obviously not good for Redania either. Mm. What is that line from uh, Francesca? What has been need not always be. And even like Gage, her brother is arguing against this. He doesn't agree with this he's not down with the baby killing but even dara is bought in which is just shows how far this has gone and her line her like justification is so dark she's like we should have killed all the humans from the start and she calls it justice oh my god (laughs) yeah that's genocide lady that is literally genocide yeah she is basically saying we should have genocided you all from the start which is you don't get much anger but then it, it doesn't fully reverse but when they capture Istrid, which is the closing moment for the scene, he goes, oh, he's, she's Hen Eker, Hen Eker, Elder Blood, right? And, and that, that softens Francesca a bit because power that maybe they can use. Maybe she understands that that power can be used to solve some of the problems the same way that Deathless Mother fixed her child that it could actually be born. Maybe that she understands that that power could be used the same way here. Without the, without the, <laughs> without the the bargain with the devil part <laughs> attached to it, we also get uh, another pretty interesting scene in Redania with another reveal. <laughs> All throughout <laughs> that scene, there's an owl hooting. Hmm. <laughs> yes, Ooh, and that? the owl flies off, and who? And we finally get that one of many reveal personality slash character reveals. The owl finally becomes Philippa Elhart. And they have this conversation where she's like telling, she tells him what happened and he's like shaving his head. He's get the bard. Oh yeah, that's right. He's got hooks in Jaskier. Jaskier is really close to Siri and Geralt and Yennefer. So that's their angle. I really love Philippa's presence throughout the whole season, even though she was in owl form. I wasn't 100% sure if we were going to be getting her this season. I thought that that would be something maybe we would get in early season three. But uh, it is cool that we get that reveal. And, I mean, she's a fan favorite character and has a powerful impact. And she's, oh, she's a force got a lot of scheming. 
For I, I was gonna, yeah, I was just gonna. Okay, well, Mikal, you put that perfectly. I don't need to say any more about her. <laughs> but yeah, she's an interesting character for sure. Geralt tells Vesemir that given people know Ciri's alive, they're going to come for her. And it immediately cuts to Sasea t- announcing to the council <laughs> that Ciri is alive. And Faltest is there going, hmm, the Lion Cub of Cintra. And Meeve is like, she sure was less trouble when she was dead. And so it's just out now. Everyone knows now. Yeah. And they are not happy with, with Vesemir either because they're like, what do you mean he wanted Cintra too? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's I feel good. like he's going to have some angry friends on his border yeah and then so and then we have another like wrong someone saying something and then we cut to a moment that said that confirms them or tells them how wrong they are so he's here we are to say telling everyone that series out there and they're all like we got to get her and then we have rian's court of like he's downcast he's looking down because he's nervous because he and lydia are facing the boss and he's, nevertheless, we're in an auspicious place because he's basically admitting failure, but saying, hey, look, boss, but we're in a good spot. Yeah, it's not, we didn't get the, we didn't get the best possible result, but check it out, boss. The elves are mad. Nilfgaard is stoking that anger. The North is mad. At, everyone's mad at Redania. <laughs> they're all going to fight each other. While they're yeah. fighting each other, we'll go get the girl. We just saw how they're all focused on the girl. <laughs> <laughs> You really start to get a sense of uh, how shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone, yeah, so. we're going for Siri, Rance. They're all looking the other way. <laughs> it's like, no, they're not. They're looking and they've got multiple eyes and they're yeah. they're quite focused on her as well as other things. <laughs> it was really good. I like the, that, that. That's one of the things that I liked a lot about this episode is the way all that comes together at the end. It's you get like 30 seconds with see 30 seconds here and it all ties together really well, but, and it keeps going for a while without getting too chaotic. I think it all, it's we also all like get ordered a, really well. Yeah. I think we also get queen Meeve uh, with her first words. That was cool. Yeah. We didn't, we were looking forward to her. We didn't get a lot of her, but I think this means that uh, it maybe means we will next season. I don't know. I hope so. Oh, for sure. She's uh, another force to be reckoned with. Yeah, when she says, she says, that's brutal, even for me, <laughs> like killing a child. Oh, boy, yeah, okay, well, we've just done some character work there. <laughs> that's some... <laughs> as Stregobor says, you know, one thing we can be sure of is no one is, they see, no one is as they seem. So, obviously, book readers know who this boss is, but I wouldn't be quick to assume show, it's so clear to show readers, show watchers, because mm-hmm. there's several, like, mages it could be. It's clearly a mage. But other than that, it's... Maybe not obvious, but I think the, if you guess at it, you could probably figure it out. But let's say no more because like, <laughs> for the people who still like, have that yeah. mystery, let's let them. The one character who's not revealed out of all these reveals. <laughs> it's funny. Amir was revealed and this character wasn't. We, yeah. we joke about that <laughs> right, quite yeah. a bit privately. But, hey, it's cool. It's um, definitely going to be even – this person will be even more hated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have two little lore bits, shall we? Yeah. Like real world lore stuff. Well, one's real world, one isn't. So one from the, so I know people were confused about the Jasper and like what the heck was going on with the Jasper and why that stone mattered. And it's, I'm not going to say it makes perfect sense, but if you were digging into Jasper, it, it does make more sense than it did. Maybe not fully make sense, but okay. So. Jasper is, Yennefer says it's, it's warmth, energy, balance. It helps turn wrongs into rights. 
What I found on the site FireMountainGems.com is that Jasper, in all its forms, is considered a powerful healing stone. Jasper is regarded as a gemstone that gives a sense of well-being, intensifying that feeling. Also a stone of gentleness and relaxation. Fancy Jasper's rich colors blend and complement each other so well for a complete sense of wholeness. Other, another benefit of Fancy Jasper's ability to focus the wearer on the here and now. In metaphysical beliefs, Fancy Jasper helps people worry less about the future or deal with past guilt. Those are really well linked to the themes here. Like she's two people at once with someone possessing her. So it's this sense of wholeness, this future back and forth stuff. So the sense of the, 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 the Jasper allowing you to focus on the here and now is what it says. Hate, pain, and fear counteracted by gentleness, relaxation, healing. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty good. I, again, I'm not saying it makes that all make sense, but it helps. It helps. I still think someone um, should have just walloped Siri in the face with it. <laughs> yeah, just throw it out like, ah, oh, break her yeah. concentration. Yeah, like, ah, oh, I don't know. Turning wrongs yeah. into rights. <laughs> so, it, it, but the point, so I guess the idea is, this, Geralt knows the symbolism behind that stone. Hey, look, Jasper makes him think about those concepts, which leads to him realizing that what she's feeding off of this negative energy, that cluing him into the idea that the opposite will make her weaker. But I, I don't know why she couldn't just say that. Like... She she's made weaker by love and sacrifice. Like she feeds on pain, so the opposite. Like why not just say that? <laughs> so yeah, they do. They do pick odd moments to tell and not tell. Sometimes. Yeah. Another site called Jasper, the Supreme Nurturer, and CrystalVaults.com says it shields against others' negativity, which I found that's pretty apt, too, as far as yeah, negativity is putting it mildly, but it's not inaccurate to say that. <laughs> that's what she was doing here. The other one is uh, in-world creation called Golden Oriole. Golden Oriole has a very fun moment. The discussion goes back to Blood of Elves, which Siri and Vesemir have their training moments in, in Blood of Elves too. They're different in this in the show, but they're they have a similar quality to them. Here's a quote. Let us return to the Gravier. Graviers appear quite rarely, fortunately, because they're bloody dangerous sons of bitches. The smallest wound inflicted by a Gravier will infect you with corpse venom. Which elixir is used to treat corpse venom poisoning, Siri? Golden Oriole. <laughs> right. Couple funny moments, I guess. Hey, if it were up to me, everything would be about nipples. Isn't that what? <laughs> isn't that what Jaskier yeah. said? <laughs> so when Yennefer wakes Jaskier up, in when everything's going haywire, and he's like, "How?" He's like sleeping through the chaos, which is funny. He wakes up, he says, too many squirrels. And it's kind of funny because it's random, but I thought about it. It's like, wait, squirrels? Let's not forget what squirrels in Elven is. It's Scoia'tael. <laughs> like, oh. That's a good catch. That's foreshadowing. I did not catch that. I just thought it was funny. Oh, uh, yeah. They're clever with that. It's like the rats. Like, K.R. Morin's full of foreshadowing. <laughs> Final one that I cited here was when Siri is helping Lambert, like, limp away because he's been hurt pretty badly. Their banter gets right back to it. He's, she says, you're panting like a dying mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he chuckles. He laughs. <laughs> Lots of funny moments this season. Yeah. I thought it was a really good season. 
I was talking to, I wouldn't say my, I don't want to say normie friends, but my normie friends who haven't <laughs> read the book really enjoyed the seasons. A lot of people said they enjoyed the second season more than the first season. I liked them both a lot. I thought they made some really interesting choices and deviations that I'm actually really excited for. I, uh, a lot of people have been very critical of Lauren Hisrich, but I think they've done a great job. And I think, I think overall, I'm really happy with the show. So like it, it got back to this whole deathless now de- the way it ended deathless mother is just one of the wild hunt now so it, it like mccall said earlier they have this way of doing their own thing but getting back to the book plots in the end which they really it really does seem like things are the way things have been left like the way the season two did things very much veered off away from the books but the way things are left we're very similar to where things are going into time of contempt or uh, an area of time of contempt or at least where a lot of those plots were left relatively speaking in a similar spot so yeah that is something you can say as book readers you can at least take that to heart and maybe they'll just veer off again but you know at least it's in a a spot that you can see where it would get back to book stuff which would be preferable I think we are going to get some more Blood of Elves stuff for sure because, like I said, they aren't doing like this like linear thing. They are picking things and moving things based on you know, how they're shooting or what particular scenes they're putting in each episode and stuff like that. So I think we will see more of that too. Some pulling from even further into season three and some some stuff from earlier into season three too. And I am most excited about season three because that's when shit really starts to pop off without saying too much. And I think all of us agree that The Time of Contempt is one of the best books in the series. It's one of the fan favorite ones too. So if they're going to be doing a lot of this big political stuff that's going to have a huge payoff, it's going to be really exciting. So I'm personally really excited about uh, the future of The Witcher. Of course, they're doing more Witcher stuff on Netflix. We're getting Blood Origin, which is going to be exciting, especially excited we're getting some Wild Hunt stuff in that. So that's I think why I'm the most excited, but we're also getting some uh, other Witcher stuff and they're building their own Witcher verse on Netflix. So overall, you guys are happy with the season, you would say? Yeah. Yeah. Call me a season two defender, even though I love the books more. <laughs> I, I don't see any reason why they have to be you can love both, in competition with each so. other. Yeah, exactly. Like, why not love yeah, both? Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I like hmm. season two. I think overall, overall better than season one. I thought it just had a more coherent plot line. We knew the characters the f- better, so we yeah. could you know, dive right into some of those great moments. As I, I said, I was really impressed by some of the political stuff with Sintra and, and Fringilla and Francesca. And uh, yeah, and I, I do think it really sets up season three really well. I, I feel like it, we're kind of like an Olympic swimming race and everybody's like on their platforms and they're no. about to launch. Yeah, we can just dive right into it when... There's- yeah. Yeah, Siri time. Yeah. Go get her. <laughs> there's always a there's always addition and subtraction. You know, people are dying, and there's new characters that are coming up. I thought that the characters' performances, like Francesca, did a really good job. Dijkstra, I mean, his entrance was was awesome. So I yeah. think that, and we're only going to get to know characters like Amir and Philippa, who are huge, huge like main characters. So yeah, I think it's only going to get better as time goes on. Because like I said, you think mm-hmm. you think uh, Deathless Mother, uh, there's there's other things out there that are pretty bad too. And it seems like Witcher is starting to film soon, or they've already started that kind of stuff. So I don't think we're going to be waiting two years for a season of The Witcher, but I think we'll probably get Witcher season three in the spring next year or something like that. We'll cross our fingers. So yeah, let's thank our supporters on Anchor. We've had some supporters throughout our season here and people that have been generous enough. Obviously, thank you everyone for the donations tonight. Danelle, Morley, and Amanda. Really, really appreciate that. That'll go right into the support the podcast fund. So thank you for that. That's right. Thanks to Mara, monthly supporters, Mara, who, who also donated tonight, like you said, Kyle, Ryan, uh, Rhett Crimson, 
It's so hard not to call you Rhett Crimson, Rhett Crisman. But <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's cool. Cato Vivas, Alejandro Martinez, James Gannon, Barry Samuel Watson, Lucas Mees, Robert B. LC, and Amy Blackfire. Appreciate your support. We will keep them coming. If you do want to support us on Anchor, anchor.fm has the support button there, the $1 option, $5 option, $10 option. That's an optional thing. Uh, Of course, we're going to be continuing to making content, but if you do want to support us, of course, it helps, and we really, really appreciate it. And uh, that's it from the podcast. Surprise, everyone. We shall see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) 